Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. You see yourself as the closer. <laughs> Grumpy, a man apart. Yeah, it's 11 in a row for you, much like it's 7 in a row for Cluxton. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. I won't be at Oppenheimer tonight. A lot of people in Dublin won't be at Oppenheimer tonight. This is the worst segue of all time. But the Irish team are homecoming tonight instead. That's what we're all going to be at. Coming home, even. Coming home. Mm. A yeah, team would probably homecoming. feel like spending three and a half hours in a dark room. Um, is it is it going to be an awkward homecoming because of the whole Vera Powell, Kitty McCabe thing? Like, is that? Well, I don't know what they've got planned for it. Yeah. I actually, I haven't followed it. And I mean, generally, um, these homecomings are like terrible. Really, yeah. you know, but like a great, a great occasion for people to go and and see them, and it's about like the kids and having them out on stage. But like, mm. you know, I'm thinking of previous ones with Joe Duffy, sort of interviewing people, sort of after the World Cup 2002, and and it's all it's all very stilted. So like, I don't know what they've got uh, what they've got planned um, for it. Um, but yeah, I, I think it is. Like, it is pr- probably going to be. A lot of body language reading and, and watching. Um, and I suppose, I don't know how it was ever going to be any other way, given things that happened in a very high-profile way the other day. It's, so it's going to be, I'm just looking at the details of the homecoming. So half past six this evening on O'Connell Street, just in front of the GPO uh, Entertainment. You've got Block Rock and Beats, DJ Dick Pierce from upstairs. Uh, Dave Murray is the MC from Today FM. Becca Bridge will have a special Koi gig message this evening as well. I don't doesn't really say exactly what else is involved, but people want to go down they can and observe body language and um try and try and, it's all a bit strange, isn't it, the the contract situation with, with Vera Power. It's like in a footballing sense I don't think anyone would disagree that she probably deserves one. Um but there is the distraction of all the accusations that from the athletic piece and I mean there's her relationship with the players, we don't know exactly how she gets on with, with, with some of the squad, but clearly there there was a little bit of tetchiness between herself and her captain. Yeah, well, I think um, the one thing I would say about the the the, the modern FAI um, is that they actually w- do tend to work quite slowly on contracts as well. Mm. Now, it might have actually maybe it might work out for them here in the sense of um, is it possibly the case that with everything with all the water that's gone under the bridge in the last couple of weeks that suddenly you, you may decide to go a different way and maybe like the fact that they you know the euphoria of qualification didn't convince them to throw out the contract. Um, then, then, then clearly there's reservations. But it is just worth stressing that point. Like even when Stephen Kenny's new contract was agreed, it was months before it was actually, um, or it was agreed that he would stay. It was months before it was signed and done. If Jim Crawford, on twenty one manager, was left in limbo for ages. It was extremely bizarre, and there was never any doubt about him staying on. Mm. Um, so they don't they don't necessarily speed through this thing these things in contrast to the FEI's past, where they would uh, they would sort of chuck them out, uh, you know, after after a good night. Um, so I think um, it's clear though from reading the reports and listening to the reports of the people who were over there on the ground over the tournament I suppose the mood music all seems to be going in a particular way and they wouldn't be sort of just sort of um, taking a stab at that yeah. you know, clearly, clearly the vibe around the place would reflect um, that maybe you've, you've reached this natural end and, and I suppose when things like people will say now, oh, well, this whole thing on Monday is is uh, it's overblown. You know, it's it's completely. And I and I understand the nature of people to say that uh, people are trying to create a story from nothing. But you step back from it, and like it is highly unusual. Yeah. You have your most high profile player 
at a time when you're trying to like probably build on this and, and grow the game and you're going to have Kate McCabe front and, front and centre and if you have a manager saying things in a press conference that are um, are sort of escalating a situation then you have the player doing something on social media maybe in the forum of a of a sort of a, a sort of a happy clappy homecoming mm. everything is 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 put to the side and 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 there's sort of you know great great you know sort of gestures and cheers and everything and that's absolutely fine um but that's unusual there's no doubt that's unusual the questioning around paro before she left was unusual too like the question around are you going to the homecoming very strange right yeah I mean Kathleen pointed it out herself and they spoke about it on the World Cup show that it was such a there must be something else there because why would you ask that you, I'm the manager of course I'm going That even that there's just this cloud of mystery and intrigue around all this I think well since they qualified since the moment they qualified and that song became a big that they sang in the dressing room became a big issue there just seems to be <laughs> something following this team around like you're never more than five minutes away from another controversy and I'm not saying it's the team's fault whatsoever it's just there always seems to be something and, yeah. and maybe heading into a big tournament people lean in more to these storylines and, and, and I, I understand that and maybe we wouldn't be making a big deal out of Katie McCabe asking for a for a substitution like maybe Vera Powell naming the player naming Sinead Farley was a bit there's a lot of things, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. Like, I've sat through a lot of press conferences over the years where a player is asked about, "Do you want your manager to stay on?" And even if they maybe don't want them to stay on, they will come out and say, "Of course." What are they going to say? We always say that. What are they going to say? <laughs> and like, it's it's actually been one of the things that has probably um, worked. Even I think for Stephen Kenny at times has been the the real emphatic nature of the player support, where they've gone that bit further than yeah. just than, than given the platitude. And actually, like you know, Matt Doherty and people going a bit further and saying no, the preparations, everything was very good. And in that context, I do find the sort of the very non-committal answers of all the players to be kind of interesting. Like it's it's amazing to me that at some point, you know, someone, no player has felt the need to say, well, of course we'd love to continue the work we're doing with Vera, you know, and and, and qualify for the next tournament. <laughs> It's the easiest thing in the world to say. Yeah. Like if someone says it, we sort of forget they've said it two minutes later yeah. and you just go, yeah, whatever. Like this press conference talk, but not one player has really gone that way. We wouldn't forget um, them saying it if they said it now. Now we'd no. be like, well, Jesus, right, that's a backing. And, and like it's hardly, is it a PR strategy? Has someone, has someone given them briefing notes to say this is what you say in response to this? I, I don't know. But like it's, it's to me, you know, at times, it can all seem very benign, and, and again, people are, are are trying to find a story that isn't there. But like you step back from that stuff and you look at the 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 interactions and how people generally interact um, in that sort of football setting, yeah. And you see things there that are are all forming a sort of sort sort of a strange pattern, which makes you think there's something lingering behind it. There's a YouTube comment in from Shane. Feels harsh. Uh, why are we having a homecoming for a team that finished bottom of the group? The men's team didn't get one after Euro 2012, and rightly so. Yeah, um, it's their first time, I think. I, I don't have an issue with it. I think I think if they get to the next Euros and uh, you know exit in the groups, I don't think there should be one. Mm. But I think, like to reflect, you know, the historic nature of this, I don't particularly have a problem with it. Um, I think the nature of even how things happened last November or October sorry you know you could argue like they didn't necessarily get that moment 
you know I know there was people greet, greeting them at the airport and stuff like that um, but I don't have a mad problem with it um, but obviously again yeah I think it's it's because it's the you only have the first time once and I think that's probably the argument for it yeah and I don't think it's that grim uh, like I saw a video yesterday of the Kerry homecoming at the weekend where they'd arranged obviously in Killarney and Tralee the players coming off the bus and it was a bit like a wake yeah <laughs> you know like Kerry obviously ex- <laughs> in a final expecting to win hoping to win <laughs> so I don't think the Irish homecoming this evening is going to be quite like that as you said it is a World Cup it's a moment to celebrate yeah, conspicuously empty plinth it would be, yeah. <laughs> On which the World Cup would have sat. Yes, yeah, <laughs> just sitting there. So it'll be it'll be strange, but as you say, it's, it's the first World Cup. I think it's, it's fair enough. Uh, keep the comments coming in. Edward Freeman says English managers treated awfully by the English press down the years. Stephen Kenny and now Vera Powell suffering the same stick and disrespect from journalists. Some of the questions of the World Cup were a joke. You have to ask these questions at the end of the day. I, I didn't hear many questions to me that struck me as no. unreasonable. No, and also I will say that like, yeah, Vera Powell very much controls the tone of her press conferences. Oh. It's actually something she's very good at. She's a very good communicator in that setting. Um, so, I look, I mean, this just sounds self-serving. It's like, oh, here's a member of the media saying the media aren't asking bad questions. But um, I don't, like, there have been times, you know, maybe at times even in the Kenny stuff where yeah, I, I wouldn't have been mad maybe on aspects of, of, of things. But um, I, I think I think a lot of the tougher questions that have been asked of Vera Pau, like should have been asked at various times. I mean, during this World Cup, I mean, there has been some, you know, sort of some mad things happening. You know, the mm-hmm. Columbia game and what happened before that, and you know, the that being called off and injuries. And again, like, you know, there was a high-profile investigation that that she actually was sort of keen to happen, I suppose, in a way. So, uh, I I think uh, I think you have to go there. Uh, someone else has commented as well saying this is Strawberry Boba good morning Strawberry where's Shane <laughs> where's Shane's Dublin jersey now that he lives in Dublin he must support them now according to his own logic or is this one way logic Strawberry if you were listening to me yesterday this is all over so there was a, a video we were talking about it yesterday in Ashburn uh, at the GA club in Ashburn in the bar they were all watching they had a bit of a party to watch the All-Ireland final similar party I'm told happened for the Tottenham Cup final with me to take him, take him, uh, part uh, but this All-Ireland watch party D- Dublin versus Kerry in the Ashburn County Meath GA Club was plastered with Dublin jerseys and so I'm not saying that Dublin people who have moved to Ashburn to live fair enough commuter belt a little bit cheaper than Dublin City I'm not saying that they should now be Meath fans what I'm saying is it's just it's, it's an organised event in the GA Club and there's not a Meath jersey. And not, not that they should be wearing Meath jerseys, but I'd imagine Meath people wanted Kerry to win at the weekend. I'm not saying that because I live in... We're not all Dublin fans now that we live in Dublin. That's fair enough. I'm not going to tell people who to support. I just think it's a... It, it, was, a, it was a funny one. I think it, it, it'd be like... Um, what's the equivalent in Mayo? Um, Balladrine. Balladrine, basically. They were all wearing Roscommon jerseys. I mean... Mm. It's similar lines. Uh, yeah, but it's tough when you see, like, I think um, I've had this before. There's a c- couple of footballers who are from Ashburn direction and you sort of, you, you refer to them as, like, the Mead native or something and it's... Feels wrong. It's not, well, like, where would you say, like, you know, where are the allegiances of, like, Nathan Collins and Evan Ferguson? They, they're actually routinely, mistakenly referred to as Dublin Dublin people, yeah, yeah. But actually, Evan's they are, they're both Kildare, or sorry, Kildare and Meath. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. Um, and like Nathan, Mark Travers is another one, he is more Kildare, but like this generally tends to happen. You'll see a lot of references to Nathan Collins, Dubliner, but I sort of asked, like, well, they're leak slip, and they're sort of, 
they sort of straddle both sides, <laughs> you know. And it's, it's the train goes out there, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's the accents. I think people get confused with the accents. Should we start calling referring to footballers as from the pale? Mm. F- footballer from the age twenty four from the nice. pale. Historic. Messed to untangle there, could I think. Be controversial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It proved controversial. Um, Shifty Lad, morning, Shifty Lad. He says, Did Vera's Dutch demeanour come across as tough for the players? Straight talking. Should be admired. Yeah, like, maybe that. And it's a personality thing. I'm not necessarily saying it's just her nationality, but it's her personality, generally speaking. She is blunt in press conferences. Tony O'Donoghue asked her a question the other day about the contract situation, and she replied with one word and left it at that. And even the the way she said, Katie McCabe's not the manager I am or not the coach I am she didn't have to say that that was proffered by herself yeah so there are maybe just little things from a press conference that just like that's that's just that's just Vera do you know if this was a you know Stephen Kenny mightn't maybe go as far sometimes in press conferences no. although sometimes he wants to get his point across and he'll speak for four, five, six minutes and no but if, if your player was sort of remonstrating them to make substitutions it would become a massive story mm. you know if that was the case and it would be portrayed in a particular way um, so yeah, I like. I think. I think some people there will be people out there who 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 like that bluntness from, yeah. and, and their personality will naturally lean towards that. Mm. They like that type of management, and then there are obviously the conflicting view will be. I suppose sometimes you might have with these managers who can be quite intense and blunt, and this extends to all codes. And you can think of like the strong characters that go that further. Sometimes. Sometimes there can be a shelf life to that. Yes. That the voice is very effective and achieves a goal. But do you eventually reach a point where maybe that loses its effectiveness? Mm, And sometimes, like, you know, it wouldn't be the first international team that, like, just a length of time away for a major tournament. It's very different to anything you do during a qualify, you know, qualifying campaign. You might be together for 10 days. Mm. That was a big thing with Trap in, in, in Ireland in the year 2012. Like they'd, the longest they'd been together prior to that was probably maybe eight days, ten days yeah. in a training camp, and all of a sudden it's five weeks, and by the end of it, it was sort Breaking of point. done. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But the contract was already signed, and the thing sort of limped along for another year. Mm. Uh, this we've already mentioned Evan Ferguson's name, but John O'Leary says in the YouTube comments, any concerns that Evan Ferguson hasn't started a preseason game for Brighton with Welbeck and Joao Pedro starting ahead of him? Um. Ah no, I wouldn't like. I, th- I think with Ferguson, it's the second season though. Like it's first full season, really. You know, like he, he only broke in halfway through last season, so I wouldn't get carried away with it. I think like you know, the management may look to do things with a player in a particular way to sort of. I think they, even last year they were quite good. Like he wasn't playing every game. They took him out of the firing line at times and they rotated him. Um, but it's yeah, it's true. Like I think whatever Ferguson is such an obsessive focus on him now. Yeah. That like if he doesn't start a game, it'll prompt a crisis. When like he's he's way ahead of every average and every sort of metric of where someone would be. Um, I wouldn't be too concerned, but I mean, it was mentioned to me by someone the other day. All right, that was the case. But um, yeah, you just don't know where people are at in pre-season. There could be like he had a, a sort of an injury interrupted still like second half of last season mm. you know, with everything that happened. He still had a couple of injuries, and they might just be monitoring that. Yeah, uh, on Irish football, Shamrock Rovers. And Ferenc Faros, this uh, is going to be an exit from Europe for for Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, there's honest. no need to dwell on that one too much. No, yeah. but they, they, we could dwell on the money. Like the so they made over three and a half million in UEFA money last year. Um, 
this is going to be 810,000 euro. Yeah. Like, that's a bit of a, a blow. I'm not, I'm not saying, it, saying in budgets they'll have planned necessarily for another 3.5 million, but it's certainly a financial... It will have financial implications for the club, you'd imagine. Well, yeah, I don't know if it's so much the implications, like as in, you know, it's really worrying. It's just more the case of stressing they, they can't afford too many years like this one, mm. I would think. I mean, like the accounts will show, like they're not a club that's been, say, turning profits in recent years, but they've had certain things that have happened, like the qualification, like Gavin Bazunu that have given yeah. them, like injections. And, you know, they... They won't have budgeted, I don't believe, for, for, for more than that. But at the same time, there would be a realistic expectation that with that champions route that they go into, it's not anticipated that you uh, you lose your first game, you lose your second game and you're out. Generally, there's quite a soft landing when you lose your first Champions League game and you play a team you should beat. And they ended up playing Ferenc Varis, which is unlucky. I mean, I should mention, like Ferenc Varis lost to the team from the Faroe Islands. Mm, Classic. Yeah. When you were in your three and a half hour uh, sort of dark place last night, <laughs> I was in my own place following like, you know, the scores around Europe. So Claxvik, the champions of the Faroe Islands, they've dumped out Hungary, Hungary's champions, French Farris, mm. and they beat the Swedish champions on penalties last night. So now they're now guaranteed group stage football. Right. Look, there's a broader debate about like European results now. And it's mad how people will just look at the you know, the, bra- the, the country name and brackets after a team and like draw assumptions. Yeah. And you now have a situation where people would say, oh, Rovers, where our clubs are miles off. But actually, a club from the Faroes have now won two Champions League ties and are guaranteed at least uh, Conference League groups. Now, maybe that embarrasses you in some ways because it says, well, hang on, if they can do it, why can't we? Yeah. Or it just reflects that it's cup football, it's knockout football and crazy things can happen. And not every year should be the subject for a massive state of the nation debate about where things are but Rovers have been very disappointing and their team is old and they're missing their most important players at the worst time like Jack mm-hmm. Byrne Neil Ferrugia uh, all the pace of the team the main creative players of the team but they have been poor and while you know they can they can justify they can sort of cope I think with one year like this their whole plan is about getting into Europe every year and then getting through a couple of rounds and it's not always going to be that three million, but it definitely will be hoping to wait, make way more than eight hundred grand. And that's why there will be people nervous behind the scenes, no doubt. Yeah, Jack Byrne going to stay by the sound of it. Well, certainly there'll be no, as Stephen Bradley said, no quick fire exit anyway because of the European exit. But not sure when he's going to be back. That's the problem. Yeah, he's like, seen a knee specialist at the minute. So, they, so Shamrock Rovers were playing Derry in the, the second game after the break, and it was, a, it was a big night for him. Looked like that's a big step towards regaining the league. Mm. And with ten minutes to go in the last ten minutes, Jack Byrne got a knee injury, and Neil Ferrugia got a hamstring injury, and it may well be that that, that ten minutes has sort of derailed their season. Mm. Uh, a bit of concern. Derry City can do it <laughs> Derry, yeah, Derry and the Dock are still alive uh, Derry are 2-1 up going to Finland against the Finnish league leaders I watched that game last week they were decent Derry they've got a lot of their better players back they've got a sort of a core of players there who would have been at Dundalk and they're mm. you know a strong sort of European campaigns and they're talented footballers who can keep the ball they've got actually a good balance for Europe maybe even a better balance than Rovers in some ways that they have like uh, they play with wingers and I think if you're going away from home you know, they can absorb some pressure, but they can break quickly. So I'd give them a chance. Then Dundalk are chasing two-goal deficit against a team from Iceland. They should not have lost that game by two goals last week. They had they conceded all three shots on target. and They had 65% possession, but I just fear that they've left themselves with a little bit too big of a mountain to climb. I think if they were 3-2 down, 
I'd be pretty confident they go through tonight. I think 3-1. Mm. I'm not sure if they're good enough defensively to get it done, but I'm heading to that game and I certainly expect something to happen. I don't expect it to be routine. Yeah. Um, but maybe... Uh, and look at there you go if two teams lose to Icelandic teams in one year you definitely are entitled to look at go well hang on what are they doing yeah um, like that Faroese team are part time like they are going to they're like, what they're doing is absolutely off the charts story. it's ridiculous it's one of these things that people are going to pick up on I think around the world yeah. the story of Klaxvik because the, the dog played them to get into the group stages in, in 2020 during Covid and people said oh the dog lucky, so lucky to end up playing this team from the Faroes but they've come back and they've like they're doing extraordinary things, and it should that should probably inspire people and think, well, hang on, if, you know, these things can be done, especially with part-time players. If they're if they're doing that with those resources, uh, anything can, can be done. Uh, Kean Rose says Pedro will be a serious threat to Evan Spot. Very good player. I can see Ferguson going to Spurs if Kane leaves. Oh, don't mm. say that. <laughs> don't let that happen. Um, Tommy says if Roy Keane was giving the same answers as Vera, we would all think it's hilarious and be loving every minute of it. Again, Roy Keane's a pundit, not the manager. It's true, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. Kevin Power. Lads, as someone whose family comes from one kilometre from the Cork Kerry border on the Cork side, brackets, thank God, if you were caught wearing Kerry jersey, you'd be finished. No excuses for those Meath lads. I think that's the point. They're maybe not Meath lads. They're probably dubs in Meath. They don't identify. They don't identify um, as, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the kids I'm, I'm concerned about. Do you know, there's kids There's kids there with, with Dublin jerseys on. <laughs> Can someone please think of the children? <laughs> who, who I'm, I'm, and I'm making assumptions here. Potentially play football for Ashburn and their parents are dubs or one parent is a dub and maybe that, that allows them to support Dublin on that day but you know if you're, if you're a little kid and you're growing up in Ashburn I want you to hate Dublin I'm not, I'm not calling for Dublin hate here but I mean it's nice to have a little bit of county rivalry you know, we have mm, it in, we have it with Tyrone I, I mean John Egan was wearing a Kerry jersey the other day Didn't see, I mean yes his father a Kerry legend yes yeah um, but he grew up in Cork where's the where was, where was the disdain for see, John there Egan has, there's an asterisk over that you know if your father was a legend of that of the, I see well how do you well, like, maybe, <laughs> maybe some of these Ashburn parents have been great members of the Dublin community just in, in a different sphere yes so if, if it's true sport you're entitled to like in sport it's fine but if just in life you know I'm not going to lie I don't care that much <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you've just given a take Shane yeah. and now you're just like I've made a mistake here <laughs> yeah. you've got yeah. me there yeah. Yeah. so not invested actually yeah, yeah. yeah. as but it turns out uh, Celtic says half of Ashburn comes from Finglas though uh, <laughs> I'm not calling for Dublin hit but dot 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 yeah I, I know I'm not calling for Dublin hit I'm not calling for Dublin hit I just think a little bit of county rivalry would, wouldn't go miss can we write a colloquial rule as to how far you can be out of Dublin and still be a Dublin supporter like if Maybe Ashburn is at the end of a Dublin bus line are they technically okay if Dublin bus goes there it could be one I way of looking at it I think it does yeah. go there doesn't yeah. it does go to Ashburn a mm. uh, couple of transfers Connolly and Horgan in the championship yeah, well, Darren Horgan's come back to the dock, um, having been at Wickham mm. and others, and like that is a great signing for them. Like he's seventeen caps for Ireland. Like he last played two years ago, so he's not thirty-five. Like he's you know he's he's thirty, Darren yes. Horgan. So um, I just think that's I think I think probably just to have a a player of that quality in a team that's not necessarily like a maybe a title challenge one at the moment. I think that's just good just to spread the talent around a bit. So that's great. Like you know, there's a real buzz around on dog even though he's not eligible for the European game tonight mm. um, they'd be playing Club Bruges if they were to get through and I think he'd be involved and it's, yeah it's great to see him Aaron Connolly another Galwegian um, yeah I'm not sure about Aaron Connolly I've, like it's it's. I mean he, when you think about Aaron Connolly being the sort of the, the, the two goals against Spurs Brighton's sort of next Irish superstar mm. and the fact that him leaving the club on a permanent basis 
is something that's a bit of a footnote. Like, you yeah. know, it's, it's not like a back page story. It's not sort of something that people are, are actively like really discussing. Like it's, it's a point of interest. But you look at it another way, it's like, well, that's Aaron Connolly leaving a Premier League club. Um, will he get back there? Will Aaron Connolly play in the Premier League again? Yeah, it's a it's a debate point. I mean, he hasn't played in Ireland for Ireland for over a year, um, so I don't know. Like, I mean, the, the the reports when he went to Hull at the start of last, sorry, earlier this year, where that even in training wise and stuff, he was applying himself quite well, and that's good because that I mean there have been concerns about maybe just his application, and then he got injured. So it's up to him. Mm-hmm. He'll respond from this. Um, and the shape of his career in the next five years will be dictated by what happens. In fact, the shape of the rest of his career will be dictated by this season as a whole. Yeah, 100%. We'll have loads more uh, between now and 10 o'clock as well. Craig Ray standing by to talk South African rugby. They'll be in our group in the World Cup, of course. Sarah O'Donovan to preview the Camogie final this weekend. 8.25am, that's uh, Cork versus Waterford this weekend. So we get the, the, I guess, the Cork side of things, the non-biased side of things from Sarah, to be fair, as per usual. Uh, sports news around 8.45 with John, who's back in studio, and also in studio, 8.55, special trade. Conor McManus will join myself and Dan uh, in here, and then at half past nine we'll play you uh, the World Cup show. Uh, before we get to the rugby lads, I guess a little talking point of the rugby, and Cameron, you may or may not have strong feelings on this. Mm. Jersey numbers or na- name num- names on the back of rugby jerseys. Yeah, it's not a done thing at the moment. No, so this is off the back of um, the Irish rugby team announcing that they will have the names on the back of their jerseys for these warm-up games. It's, it remains to be seen whether they'll be on the back of the jerseys for the World Cup. Do They're most teams make do it for the World Cup? I no, no. This is a very new thing. England, yeah. Scotland, Wales, and I think Italy also do it at the moment. Um, but at the World Cup would be a very new thing and it's just something I cannot get behind at all I think it's um, I think why see rugby is one of the last sports where the number is incredibly significant in terms of the symbolism of the players so you know when you get a number 10 jersey for Ireland let's say Jack Crowley gets the Italy jersey the jersey for Italy this weekend that's you're handing it down from the likes of Johnny Sexton, Ronan O'Gara, Ollie Campbell, all those stars. That ten has significance. Whereas if it has a name on above it, I think it just devalues it slightly. Mm. And look, my brother was making the point that they have their names on the jerseys anyway because they're sewn in just at the hip there. Um, like every jersey is new for every game, but mm. I just think the idea behind it is it just waters it down ever so slightly. Rugby and look, I'm one of those. I'm not someone who's. Uh, stuck in their old ways but I think it's a case of reject modernity embrace tradition I like the symbolism around when someone takes the 13 jersey you're like that's Brian O'Driscoll's number that that was a jersey he imbued a lot of great moments with uh, or imbued with a lot of great moments and I do, yeah I'm not a fan of that I really don't like it I think it's strange I think it, um, it it'll also kill off the novelty jersey market which is terrible um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of it. I'm at all. all for it. Is the squad numbers for a tournament? Then are you saying it's going to be like but, for the? For I presume the, they'll get it's it's or is in the World Cup. Game? They get game by game squad numbers. Game game by game squad numbers. So your 15s, your fullback. That's just no. Yeah, but like so they're not going to have different numbers during the tournament. No, no. Game by it, game. That would, if Whereas the, in football, you do that for the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, if they, they if you're doing that, go whole hog and just have 26 Crowley for the entire tournament. Mm. That would be that would make more sense. Right? Way more sense. Yeah, I guess. I guess seems inefficient to be just putting names on, changing it for every game. Mm. Yeah. It's just 
reckless spending. It is exactly, and it's not like these are unrecognisable players for commentators. You know, it's not no, it's not that sort of thing. And players change from game to game. Like Henshaw could play twelve one week and thirteen the next. It's yeah. not like oh, twelve's his number now. Yeah, so fair. I can't get behind this. Um, but you know. I am looking forward to uh, this is the hill I'm going to die Cameron on Cameron Hill is angrier than Ashburn people like I mean is this uh, yeah, yeah. on the scale of outrage where do we put uh, names on rugby shirts versus dubs in Meath yeah possibly above although possibly above. Fergus Kyo's gotten in touch saying he's from North East Paris and still a Dublin supporter is that okay and it's not okay you should be Parry Gales and France GAA fair enough That's Niall says no names on rugby jerseys no not even practically Crowley would have had to start in 22 jersey versus Australia last year uh, when last second sexton injury, I, I don't know. It's it's, and then flying hellfish says they get new jerseys for every game, lads. That's anyway. Yeah, well, look, I've addressed that point. OTB AM, the sports breakfast show from off the ball.